welcome to MindShift, where we explore how mindsets can help you live a life of passion and purpose. On this show, we'll explore how our thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs shape our outlook on life and influence our decisions. We'll talk to experts from various fields and hear from individuals who have transformed their lives by adopting new mindsets. Whether you're feeling stuck, searching for life's purpose, or simply curious about the power of the mind and how it's changing the future, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to MindShift with Cody and Richard. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button and follow along for some tips and tools on how to become your best self. Today, we have another episode of Fantastic Future Fridays. And today we're talking about our habits, our environment, everything that we do that affects the genes of our body, how we show up and really what it means. It's so incredibly fascinating to me how our body responds and not just, you know, this kind of vague concept, but literally how the genetics of you respond to what you do to your environment, to your thoughts, to your habits, to your relationships, literally everything you do affects this. And when I truly learned this, this became the foundation for how I started showing up because if we want to live healthier, if we want to live longer, if we want to live better, whatever your reason is, which I would say a hundred percent of us want to live better, want to live healthier, you know, maybe 50% of us want to actually live longer. But I also believe that's simply because our current view of aging has been pretty skewed from what we've seen aging so far. We look at our grandparents, we look at old people that are in hospice care or whatever, and we see that they're, they're decrepit, they're breaking down, they're failing, their, their bodies are failing them, their minds failing them, their hearts failing them. And I know me, I would look at that and be like, man, I don't, I don't ever want to get old. That sounds terrible. And that's the point is we don't have to age that way. And when we truly understand this powerful concept, then we can completely change how our bodies work, the genetics that make you, you. I'm, I'm curious, Richard, when you were growing up, how, how many times, or have you been told, has this kind of been a narrative around some of the, the people that's been in your life that, well, it's just my genetics. I can't do anything about it. It's just, it's just my genes, man. Like I have no control. <laughs> right. I, uh, um, I feel like a lot of people kind of go with that, especially like if they have diabetes or Alzheimer's in their family, there's some mitigation, but my biggest thing is, is, you know, barring plastic surgery, just look at what the people in Hollywood are doing or anybody with any kind of money, like they don't age. Cher was still hot until she was like almost 80 <laughs> and like, sure. There's some plastic surgery there, but at the same time, more and more people aren't going to plastic surgery to fake youth they're going towards keeping their bodies healthier and it all starts with mindset but and these certain minerals and vitamins and what you're doing to your body and the way you treat your body and a lot of people treat their body like that's eh, just like you said it's just the reality this is what happens but it's not there's <laughs> there's buddhist monks thousands of years ago that literally 
looked the same for 40 years. They just stopped aging at like 45. And so I think there's a certain aspect to aging that definitely is real. You can't stop it, but it there is a way to mitigate what you become. You're not going to become this old person, what the image we have in our head of what an old person is if you take care of your body. Dude, Jack LaLanne looked like he was 60 when he died at 99 or 96 or whatever it was. Like the dude was a beast. Yeah. And the same goes with all, all sorts of other people. There's so many more examples, but they were actually their whole entire life came to anti-aging. And if we don't have that mindset, if we're not actively thinking about it, and it's not even just actively thinking about it, it's that we're actually not thinking that we're getting old. Jack Lane didn't think about that. I'm old. He thought about how young he was. And yeah, that's absolutely. I think like one of the worst phrases we can say is like, Oh man, it sucks getting old. Oh man. Don't ever get old. Oh man. My body aches. I must be getting old. You're literally telling the genetics of your body to start hurting. You're starting to tell your genetics of your body to age faster. That is so incredibly fascinating. And it is important to uh, mention and, and point out what Richard just said, which is you can't stop growing old. That's, that's not a thing. And if any of you guys have watched the, the recent docuseries that has come out on Disney plus uh, called limitless with Chris Hemsworth, the very last episode actually talks about accepting aging as a gift. You know, if you have a terminal illness and you have months to live, all of a sudden you want nothing more than to grow old. Growing old is a gift. It's not something to be scared of. It's not something to fear. It's really something to embrace and think is one of the most beautiful things that we get to do as humans. And that is just, just as important to realize as it is to realize you don't have to age terribly. You know, I, I understand I'm going to die. I am trying to live to 212. We'll see if I make it. I don't care if I do, but I definitely want to at least have the mindset around that. So I do everything I can right now to have the greatest chance of aging better. And that's what this all comes down to is how do I show up as my best self? Everything we do speaks to our genes. You know, every single thing that we do speaks to our genes. There's a really interesting study on aging that's actually from Stanford and the Stanford study measured the number one thing we can do to live longer. And what they found out was it wasn't healthy eating, although that helps. It wasn't quitting smoking, although that definitely helps. You know, even quitting smoking, if you are in the top 1% of people that live longer because they quit smoking and started applying healthy habits, that alone will only get you two extra years, which is amazing. Don't get me wrong. That's actually really, really cool. You have two extra years. But the number one thing that they found from the study, again, from Stanford, was your mindset. Your mindset around aging can give you up to seven extra years. That is insane to me. Like, it truly is, guys, because I honestly thought that it would have been stuff like healthy eating and exercise because there's so much there that we can do, but it's really the mindset around it. And it all goes hand in hand. If you have the mindset, 
you're going to eat healthier. You're going to probably stop smoking. When you change your mindset around how you age, you literally send messages to your genes to show up better. This is really the realm of epigenetics. And epigenetics is just a fancy word for the way your genetics work. It's really the keys to the genetics. It's genetic expression. That's all it is, the fancy word for gen genetic expression. And when we understand that, then we can understand that almost all disease, there's a very, very small amount that is not controlled by this. So it truly means that if you want to prevent Alzheimer's, if you want to prevent cancer, if you want to prevent all uh, heart disease, and if you want to prevent diabetes, then don't get it. And that's really the best cure for any disease is to prevent it altogether, which Sounds weird, I know, but at the same time, when we understand that these concepts, these keys have been shown to prevent disease altogether, that's amazing. I would much, much rather never get cancer than have to reverse it. And that's really what we're talking about. Now, there's plenty of books out there if you want to reverse cancer that you actually can do that. Now, there's no promise there. I'm not saying that, oh, if you do these things, you're going to reverse cancer because that's not the case. But the mindset around it is definitely the number one key of whether or not you're going to be able to and surrounding yourself with the information and the people that already have. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's finding that mindset of being younger. One of my favorite studies was um, everyone always talks about the Mediterranean diet, the Mediterranean diet, the Mediterranean diet. It's just on repeat in our media. And at the same time, yeah, it's healthy. I'm not saying it isn't, but there's aspects of the Mediterranean diet that make no sense to us. They eat bread all the time and Americans can't things like that. One of the studies did find though, that they don't just, they don't have the same concepts of aging that we do. And a lot of those ancient uh, cities in these towns that they live in, they're so old, they don't have the infrastructure of new technology. And so a lot of these older people, they're walking up multiple flights of stairs every day. And you could say it's exercise, but think about the mindset of like, they don't have the option to not walk up and down stairs. So they're not thinking I'm too old to walk upstairs. They just walk up the stairs. And, it's and like immunity around it too, right? Like they have yeah. such a, a thriving social yeah. life that the community aspect of it is people supporting each other, people buying goods from each other. Oh, you're a baker. Let me walk over to you and I have some meat. You know, I'm a, a pig farmer or whatever it is. And we can do some barter. We can do some trade. You know, our families have known each other for generations because that's literally how it is. And that, that's, that's, that's one of, that's too. one of my biggest dreams is to buy a home in the Mediterranean somewhere. There's so many towns right now trying to revitalize themselves because everyone's, all the kids are moving out and going to the cities. And so you can get these houses for ridiculously cheap, but you have to have like a plan to get it rebuilt and ready to go within a certain amount of time. So you still have to have like 30 to a hundred grand, but you get the place for cheap. And I would love to do it if I had the money because that infrastructure, I'd love to see us adopt that in America to where you go down the street and there's no more Walmart. There's no more of these big box stores. There's no corporate food conglomerates. Um, and they still exist over there. But the thing is, is that, like you said, there's the local baker 
there's the local, you know, uh, grocer, there's the local farmer uh, or the farmer's market, like it, and it's all coming from a local farm nearby. Like that really makes a huge difference on our health and everything when we have a good community. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in America is our communities are just so uh, um, disconnected we're living together all around and we're either a political it's it's something to do with lifestyle but over there it doesn't matter what you are or who you are you're all in the same village you all go to the same farmer or baker or or coffee shop or whatever because that's on the like five square miles that is your area that's what's there and then you all work together to provide for each other's needs and i think we we are missing some of that i we are a very tribal species and tribalism is extinct in the modern western world to an extent and we're starting to learn to bring it back i think that's what i i love about this podcast and this coaching is that we are creating a tribe of people that are all on that mindset of bettering themselves having that mindset mindfulness of I'm not going to age. I'm going to do everything I can to be the healthiest and the best I can be, whether that's physical health, mental health, emotional health, just maximizing, taking your potential to the maximum and having that in common and then creating an environment with other like-minded people is been phenomenal for my mental health and being able to talk to all these people. We talked to uh, Dina earlier today about managing pain and it was just such an eye-opening uh, podcast, but having that, that influence uh, almost on the daily, it's not every day, obviously, but every week at least, um, it's just not so mind-boggling because I, I, I suffered from, my depression was based on loneliness. I, I, I grew up extremely religious and I don't go to church anymore. And so like my two ideas of community was church or the bar. And so finding people in between there that actually there is community still, but you got to go out and connect with it. It's been, it's been phenomenal for me too. And, and really given me the support as well as the motivation to do better. Cause I want to be up with those people that we're interviewing. Yeah, it's it's absolutely life changing. And really, it's that age old adage, you become who you surround yourself with. And when we understand this, then we can start creating the community of the people that we most want to be like. And that's what's so beautiful about this. Like, David Sinclair, if, if you guys don't know who he is, go check out his TED talk, because it's absolutely incredible. The guy is doing life changing work. And if you look at him, he's in his 50s. I swear, when I very first saw this guy, I was like, man, he looks like he's in his mid thirties. Like he is aging so well. And he's, you know, at the very forefront of longevity and aging, actually reversing disease. But that's the point. That's the people, the people that are following David Sinclair, the David Sinclair's of this world. If we surround ourselves with them, our genes start responding differently. And that's, what's really, really cool about all of this coming online is really creating that community, creating those relationships, creating that environment, creating, you know, everything that's going to support this, the food we eat, the relationships, the uh, environment that we're in. Those are like really the three pillars, food, relationships, environment. If we focus on those three things, you're going to age better. I can guarantee that. And this comes from me, you know, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I was obese at 340 pounds. You guys know that 
I had leaky gut syndrome, that I had diabetes, that, you know, I was suffering. You know, if you knew me just six years ago, you thought that I had a sunburn on my face 24 seven, because that's how bad my rosacea was. And I don't deal with that anymore. That's what's so cool about this is that when we actually start changing our mindset and really start understanding that you are the placebo, which just basically means that you are the one, you, your beliefs, your thoughts, your mindfulness, you know, all of it is going to affect how you show up. And we're not just talking about this kind of vague energy that I think is talked about so much, or this vague manifestation, which is talked about so much. We're talking about literally the genes of your body, the cells of your body respond to all of it. That's what's cool about this is it kind of takes that mystical and puts the science behind what's actually happening. And there's things you can do to measure. That's what's really cool about this too, is the technology that's coming up right now. You know, Richard and I here are going to get our genome mapped. And if you get your genome mapped, essentially it tells you what you're predisposed to. So for instance, there's Alzheimer's that ran in my family. There's diabetes that ran in my family. And if we understand what we're predisposed to get, all that means is we now have the information to keep those genes turned off. And you can, that's what's cool. If you have, I forget specifically what gene it is, but if you have two sets of this one gene, you are 10 times more likely to get Alzheimer's. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to do every freaking thing possible to make sure that I never get Alzheimer's through food, through relationships, through the environment and doing things that challenge your brain. You know, our brain, I think gets stuck on these really interesting pathways and they're not interesting in a good way. They're interesting in this I'm constantly doing the same thing. It's not building neuroplasticity. It's not building new neural pathways. And as a result of this, your brain isn't getting used. You're not getting oxygen up there. You're not getting blood flow up there. And so your brain says, well, let's conserve energy. That's, that's what it wants to do. It wants to take the shortest path po uh, pathway possible in order to conserve energy. And if that happens, then kind of starts dying a little bit. It starts not functioning as well as it could. We have a hard time remembering words. We have a hard time remembering different things. And as a result of this, we start aging faster. Our, our body is literally having these signals saying, well, you're not as useful as you could be. So let's start diverting processes and let's, let's <laughs> age faster. That's, that's what we're telling ourselves. But when you go out, like one of the reasons why I wanted to learn how to play golf is because in the book I read, The End of Mental Illness, it said one of the most healthy things you can do for your brain is learn how to play golf. And oh my gosh, was that a frustrating challenge? Because <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's can you go Can you go into why? Like for you, I understand. I know your background with golf, but like what, what was it in the book that made golf so detrimental to mental health? Because I, I, I am... I hate golf. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm the same way with you. Like, and I think you meant uh, beneficial, not detrimental, right? Uh, yeah. Beneficial. Like why is golf beneficial to everyone? Not just like, I get the walking and you get outside, you're in the sunshine, things like that. But what else about golf makes it so beneficial to everybody? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's because you are constantly making these different decisions, these different calculations. So not only are you, you trying to figure out how to place the ball, how to swing your club, how to hold it right, all of this stuff, but you're also doing geometry every single time that you swing that club and trying to figure out like, okay, it's 280 yards. Well, I can swing my, you know, driver about 270 to 275 yards. So if I, if I hit it here, then I'll have a really good shot to be able to, or chance to be able to get it up onto the green with my, you know, pitching wedge or my, you know, sand wedge or, or whatever. And as a result of this, you start kind of putting these different calculations together. You know, I'm 110 yards out. Well, I know that if I use my nine iron, then I can go about 105 to 115 yards, depending on, you know, the all, all kinds of different factors. But this is what your brain is putting together while you're out on the golf course. It's such a challenging sport because you are constantly trying to figure out the best way to get to the hole with the shortest amount of swings, which is part of the frustrating part, but you're doing all of these different calculations. What club to use, how, how fast I should swing my club, all of this stuff, or man, that just like went completely off and to the right. How, how did I even do that? How, what do I do to fix that? And your brain starts putting all these things together. So it's just one of those things that you're constantly using your brain and building that neuroplasticity as a result of it. That's why almost every retirement community is going to have multiple golf courses. It's because it's one of the best things you can do, especially when you age. So really, this is the reason why I got into golf was like, well, if I can age better, if I can like create more neuroplasticity in my brain and figure out how to do what I considered a stupid sport at that point, <laughs> then maybe I can age better. And it became fun for me. It became really, really, like, really fun for me. And, and now I love golf. And now I'm going to teach Richard here when we're able to go at least a, a few things, hopefully, and, and really understand the reason why we're doing it. Because when you know your why, you're more likely to do it. For me, my why was I can create more neuroplasticity, more neural pathways in my brain. I can age better as a result of this. Okay, I'm down. Let's do it. And it's also why I want to challenge myself with these big, hard challenges, no matter what it is, every single year going forward. You know, mm -hmm. one thing that I, that I want to do is I want to ride my adventure bike from Alaska down to Argentina. And oh my gosh, does that scare me? But that's the point. It should be big. It should be scary. It should be challenging. It should challenge your brain in a really, really big way to be able to do this. I know you and I talked about doing the same thing over in Africa and I'm excited for that. Let's go to Africa and let's go explore someplace we've never uh, been to figure out how to get I'll, there. I'll follow you with my Aptera. <laughs> oh, I don't like the wind in my face 24 7 while I'm driving. I, I like the wind. I like the window down. But then oh, man, no, no Aptera is allowed. You're either coming on the bike or I'm leaving you behind. I'll take somebody else. <laughs> I did want to, I did want to go back. I don't really truly hate golf. What I hate about it, and it's the same with any sport or any kind of game that I've ever been able to lose, is I'm I am a perfectionist and I do enjoy games, but when I'm not good at something, I just want to do it over and over again. And golf, one, costs money. Uh two, 
a game of golf usually can take all day. <laughs> like, you know, unless you're get to a point where you can get through your holes and you know how to play. I don't know any of that. I've never actually done a course. I've gone to a driving range once or twice, but every time I went, it, I could only do it once because I didn't have the money to just sit there all day and practice. And I, it's the same with chess. Like I don't have anyone to play chess with me. I'd love to learn chess. I'd love to learn how to get better at chess, but I don't like it because it takes so long to play one game. And I don't have a bunch of people around me that want to just sit there and play over and over again. So I never learn chess and I say, Oh, I don't like chess, but it's not that I don't like the concept. I watched golf with my grandfather and I always thought it was a really cool sport because you don't have to run. You don't have to be super physically fit. It's more of a thinking game, but because of that thinking, cause I love strategy board games versus just, you know, something dumb uh, like, you know, uh, some of those um, uh, some of those games that are just social games that don't have a point and nobody really wins. I, I, I don't see the point of playing or something. Yeah, I was trying to say it, not say it, but basically, yeah, apples to apples. They're funny for like 10 minutes to me, but then I'm like, why are we even playing this? Like there's there's no real strategy. I'm not really thinking. It's just kind of a a social lubricant. It's it's the board game. It's the alcohol of board games. <laughs> and it's just not appeasing. So golf has always been great to me, but I, I would love to do the bike scares the crap out of me just because I had a near death experience on a bike. I, to this day, like, I don't know how I lived. Um, and whenever I think of a, a motorcycle, I have instant flashback. I remember the moment I was going somewhere between 40 to 70 miles an hour coming down into Cedar city. And I turned into a parking lot. I was going pretty fast, but I turned into a parking lot that was completely empty, but right in front of me was a, was a curb, like a six inch curb. And I don't know how I missed it. Like I, I was not good enough on a bike. I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how I crashed, but I replay that memory. And it's funny because the reason I think my brain replays the memory is if um, multiple dimensions work, I feel like the alternative version of Richard died that day. Like, mm -hmm. it's just so ingrained. Like I hit that and I died. I had no safety gear on nothing. If I had hit that, I would have just flown off the bike and into a pole or into the concrete or anything. And, it scares the crap out of me because there's you can't make the, as many mistakes on a bike as you can. You have to be really focused on a bike versus a car. So that's one of my hesitancies to be on a bike for 20 hours. <laughs> I'm not saying we'd be on a bike for that long, but I mean, like extended amounts of time does scare me, <laughs> but yeah. I'm excited for a challenge. Well, and one thing that uh, that we'll have you do, and one thing I always suggest anybody does if they're getting a motorcycle is take a, a really, really good, reputable safety course because they go over so much and just having that groundwork before getting on a bike saved me absolutely multiple times because there's just things that you don't know. And then when people are teaching you that and then you're in that situation, it clicks. It definitely clicks and just helps so much, you know, and even with my brother, he as kids, we rode dirt bikes all the time. We, he was going on this, this trail that was kind of through a field to get up to the trails in the mountain. And, uh, they had started developing that field. We had no idea. And so they dug a road in the middle of this field and it wasn't, wasn't done yet. But what happened was, is he went flying off of it. He's going about 60, 70 miles an hour and straight into this two foot 
essentially curb that there was going to be a curb. It was still dirt at that point. And he flew probably a good 200 yards and bro- broke his arm. He came back and his arm was like a Z and it was, it was gnarly. It was, it was really, really bad. And, um, it's, it's definitely scary stuff, especially when, when things happen and you just have no control over it, but that's also why it's so incredibly important to take those safety courses to understand, to wear your gear, you know, like I have horrible knees, um, or at least my knees are, are in the process of healing as much as they can. And because I have no meniscus, man, I look like a power ranger when I'm on a dirt bike. <laughs> like literally I have knee braces. I have every single piece of safety gear known to man simply because I want to enjoy riding. I don't want to have to worry about getting hurt. And that's, that's part of this. It, it really is. But going back to, to the genes and how everything we do just completely controls how you show up and measuring and understanding this, like your aging has literally nothing to do with how many times we go around the sun. This is what we thought aging was, but it was kind of a disservice to us because when we measure our biological markers, then we can have a healthy body of a 20 year old our entire life. But if we're not measuring them, if we're not understanding our hormones, if we're not understanding our vitamin levels, if we're not understanding how our bodies actually work, then you have no idea what your age is. You truly don't. You know, you could have the joints of a 30-year-old, but the heart of an 80-year-old. And you wouldn't know because you didn't measure. But once you start measuring, you can start reversing your biological age. And we have shown, been shown this through different studies over and over and over and over again. We now know our biological age is not set. Our biological age has nothing to do with how many times we go around the sun. It's really a disservice understanding like, oh, I'm 35, I'm turning 36 this year. My knees hurt, must be because I'm aging. Well, now that has actually literally nothing to do with it. It's because I hurt both my knees and I didn't do enough to mitigate how they healed. And now I'm having to do that now. You know, Instead of reversing heart disease, I'm reversing osteoarthritis as a young person. Like it's, It sucks, but at the same time, the fact that it's possible gives me hope. And we just talked about hope earlier today. It's one of the coolest things. And if we truly understand that, then why not try? Why not try and see what's possible? And that's what's cool about this is this subject and why I'm so passionate about it is because it gives us hope. It gives us possibility. And when we understand this, why not try and do better? you know, know better, do better. That's, that's how the saying goes. So let's see, let's see what's possible with this. One of the things that always like my mind, like my experience, my negativity, if you will, the internal negativity is that, oh, I can't afford this stuff. This is for the rich. This is for the elite. And a lot of this stuff isn't. Um, there is still some things that are ridiculously expensive and you'd have to prioritize and save up, but the rest is just a prioritization of that week or that month. Like, okay, maybe you need to put some money away to save up that genome test, but that genome test is available to everyone. It's not ungodly expensive, like, you know, going down and doing uh, stem cell therapy where you have to leave the country. It's not that hard. Another aspect of it is, is like back in the day, you could feel like a million bucks, but you have that heart of an 80 year old, like you said, uh, that was, you know, that was physical, that was um, societal ignorance. We didn't have the tools 
to do that. Now it's chosen ignorance because we do have the tools. Every single year, we're getting new versions of communication, new versions of science that allows us to know what's going on with our body. And the more we recognize health, like you got the 90s and the early 2000s, the 80s, that that health craze. Well, what we learned from all that, especially as a kid watching all the moms do the same thing, is the same thing doesn't work. But what does work is the preparation to figure out what your body needs. And now that we understand the genetic markers, now that we have all these different tests that we can take to look at things, the ability to look in the brain, see what's disconnected, to look at the genome, to see what you are more susceptible to, what you shouldn't eat, what you should eat, all of it's there. One of my favorite, favorite things I ever saw that I thought was hilarious talking about anti-aging, if you will, is David Sinclair, you just said it always looks 20 years younger. But one of the funniest things I ever heard was on, uh, it was on a YouTube video, it was a comment, was Dave Asprey. He's also about a not aging and biohacking. And one of my favorite comments is like, bro, every video I see of him, he's either 20 years older or 20 years younger. And because he's always like changing what he's doing. But David Sinclair doesn't do that. He's always... I, I personally feel, and I'm not trying to get into an argument with anybody, but I personally feel David Sinclair and what he's doing has a proven track record. You look at that guy and he's always looking young while other people who are experimenting, maybe we need them to experiment, but you know, they go in and out. Sometimes they look young. Sometimes they look old. They're not doing everything they can or their, their research or their thoughts aren't right. And then they have to re go back. And it's just like, you, you are who you surround yourself with. You are as successful as who you surround yourself with. So you got to pick those people and be on that wavelength if you want to really incorporate these things into your body and not age. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's 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 fascinating because every single other person that's doing biohacking that is understanding how to reverse their age is friends with and or has got their information from David Sinclair. That's where a lot of this is coming from. And that's what's so cool about this and so fascinating. And stepping back just a moment to, to what Richard just said here, this, the majority of what we're talking about is actually free. Now, I'm not saying your genome mapped is free. I'm not. And I'm not saying the tests are free. What I'm saying is, is eating better. And, and of course, food isn't free, but you eat anyway. So it is a free hack simply because you have to eat to survive. And if you want to know how your body works, do the elimination diet. The elimination diet is a very easy diet and you will quickly understand and correlate what's hurting your body and what's helping it. And it's a very quick biohack to understand what is actually going to affect you and you personally. And that's, what's cool about all of this is, you know, ice baths, cold showers, environment, creating a community, getting a part of a community. All of this stuff is, is very, very low cost. It's stuff that you're already doing and it just takes a tweak. But if nothing else, you do want to do this stuff, then, you know, get your genome mapped. It's only about two to 300 bucks right now. And that's awesome. You know, every single thing we're talking about, you know, maybe it is for the rich right now. And maybe you can't do that. However, if you just stay alive long enough to intercept the next available treatment, it will be affordable. And there's nothing better as, as far as an example goes than the human genome. Just 20 years ago, it costs about $1.3 billion 
to map the first human genome. That's crazy, guys. 20 years ago, 1.3 billion with a B dollars. That is absolutely insane. Most of us, I can't even imagine that number and let alone be able to afford it. You know, there's very, very few people on that list that could actually afford something like that. But fast I forward. wonder, I wonder what that is with the inflation. Like it, that would be closer to like six or 7 billion now, wouldn't it with inflation? Probably. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just absolutely fascinating, but now it's, it's literally 250 to 300 bucks. That's it. You can find plenty of places online to do it. You can understand what you're predisposed to and be able to afford it. You know, the majority of people, if they prioritize, can actually afford to do that now. So it means that, you know, stem cell therapy, being able to reset our biological age using enzymes, which, which is coming online right now, being able to measure different things. It may be expensive right now, but it won't be here very soon, which just means if you do the, the very inexpensive biohacks to age better, you absolutely will be able to intercept the things we're talking about. That is what's so cool is that literally we just have to think about aging better. Think about changing the habits around how we age again, food relationships, environment, and then stay alive long enough to be able to intercept the things that are coming down. And this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing, guys. And, you know, mindfulness, meditation, taking a walk, exercising. And I'm not talking about going to the gym, although that can certainly help, but going for a hike, do like chopping wood, the like different things that are actually free, doing push-ups, whatever that looks like for you. Like this is stuff that's actually going to help you age better. You know, the number one thing that they can measure if someone's going to age well and be able to survive old age is muscle mass. So if we want to age better, build those muscles. If we don't use it, we lose it. This is very true. But if we use it, then we thrive. That's what's so like so much cooler about it is start utilizing it, start doing the things that are free and understanding that. The environment, the mindset is absolutely paramount if we want to actually do better and start affecting our genes in the most positive, amazing, abundant, thriving way possible. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't take any money to go on a walk. It doesn't take any money to do a push-up. It doesn't take any money to meditate or breathe. It takes time. And if time equals money you and, and time technically is free it's it's invaluable it's priceless when you use that time for yourself because we see the effects uh, i was just thinking about the fact that almost you never hear of anyone who beat cancer that didn't change their mindset around it you know there, there's obviously people who didn't have to change anything because they had some benign tumor that was removed from surgery but anyone that was fighting potential death going through it it wasn't just the chemo it wasn't. They they had to change their diet. They had to they changed their look on life. They used humor. They were coming to peace with the fact that they might die, but they their mind changed. They are not the same person. And you're not going to be the same person when you, you when you look death in the face like that, especially in that sense. Um, I have never experienced that. But my point is, is any article I've ever read 
they didn't just go to chemo and listen to their doctors. They, they went and got coaches. They went and did all these new ideas. And they, they, they even went into the woo-woo stuff, you know, just anything they could do. And all of that was just mindset change. And it was talking to those genes because everything you're doing is talking to those genes. And we are starting to learn that when you when you, there's cancer in the body, it's because the body doesn't know how to clean it out. All of our bodies from the day we're born, it's a little less when you're young because you're so fresh, but even from the day you're born, cancer is trying to get in there. If it does, something's going wrong that your body can't clean it out. And so how do you, how do you sit there and go, oh, there's nothing you can do? There, there is. It's all the way that your body is using the nutrients you're giving, or it has to do with the trash you're putting in. Sometimes something extremely nutritious happens to be detrimental to you, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't do the elimination diet. So it, it's, it's literally having a conversation with yourself and it's not just talking in the mirror. You can do that. Soul gazing is amazing for your mental health and clarity, but it is listening. So many people don't listen. I, I have suffered from horrible dietary problems my whole life. I am technically just intolerant to everything. It feels like sometimes. And I re recently realized that, um, nicotinamides, uh, which are the, um, kind of lectins and, and poison and in uh, nightshades just doesn't get along with my body. I feel 10 times better if I'm not eating peppers, tomatoes, things like that. The less I eat, the better I feel. Now, sometimes occasionally I have hot sauce and stuff, but hot sauce is so it's cooked, it's processed in so many different ways that I'm like, you know what, every once in a while, I'm going to have a little hot sauce, but not eating tomatoes and bell peppers every day. I see a difference. And so many people love food. We love food. Food is something that we crave, that we need. It gives us sustenance and they're not paying attention. They just become complacent to, oh, I feel like crap, but why you're eating, it felt amazing. And you don't correlate the two. But because I always felt like crap after I ate or even while I was eating, I, I couldn't breathe. I would choke and it turned out it was causing inflammation in my throat. So the epiglottis, which is the little flap that stops food from going into your lungs, that would get popped open basically because there was so much inflammation, it couldn't shut. So I'd take a drink and it would just go right into my lungs and I wouldn't even be breathing. It's just sort of open. And I, I took these things out. First, I thought it was meat. So I kind of went vegan. And then I realized it was the combination of carbs and everything else. And that's just me, but it's listening, listening to your body, communicating to your body and doing the work. And we work so hard for other people. When are you going to start working for yourself? And that's the mindset that I'm trying to do because I suck at working for myself. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and be like, oh, this is the way it is. It, it, it works for me. Like it is working for me, but it's hard. It's not easy. I, 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 I suffer every day trying to take care of myself, trying to prioritize myself when, when I really, what I really want to do is never prioritize myself. I want to sit on a couch. I want to completely escape from the reality, the pain, everything I'm going through. But at the end of the day, if you want to change, it takes work. Your motivation is that you're not going to age. You're going to have a, a way more fulfilling life and it's going to get better. Uh, and really it's the, uh, the, the environment that Richard's talking about right now too, which is just so beautiful because 
you know, we don't pay enough attention to ourselves. One of my favorite quotes was if you don't have enough time to meditate, then meditate for an hour. If you really don't have enough time to meditate, then meditate for two. And <laughs> I thought that was so cool because it's such a different way of looking at things. And honestly, I used to think this way, but what started happening when I started meditating, I started having more time. I started entering flow states and getting more done in a shorter time. Like literally it created more time for myself. You don't have time to not meditate. That's truly what that means. And the environment that we're in and literally surrounding ourselves with the David Sinclairs of the world, with the community, with the environment, with the biohackers, with the people that understand things that you don't is what's going to help you along your journey. For me, I discovered something that I absolutely used to love and it was something I would crave was hurting me. And that's peanut butter. Peanut butter is really not great for us. But what I found specifically for me is when every time I ate it, I'd get these headaches almost immediately. I mean, within an hour of eating it, I would get these stomach aches. My process or my, uh, my body would try and process it really quickly. And as a result of this, I was like, oh, huh. well, since I'm paying attention to my body, I think my body is telling me don't do this. And guess what? I stopped doing that and all that went away. Like your body is the most amazing biohacking machine. If you pay attention to it, you will understand how to heal. And going back just a moment to what uh, Richard just kind of mentioned in passing is soul gazing. Guys, soul gazing is something that is incredible. It's something that I started doing years ago, and I actually just started doing again as a result of a previous guest's um, group that he's doing right now. It's, it's a five-day challenge. And thank you, Jeffrey Davis, if you're watching. And as a result of what that is, you get to understand a deeper part of yourself. So what it is, is you go in front of a mirror and you look at yourself in the eyes. And when you're looking yourself in the eyes, do it for about five minutes. Start feeling what you're feeling in the body. Start understanding what's going on. Start becoming curious. You know, this for me started with looking myself in the eyes and telling myself, I love you, Cody. You're amazing. Whew, that was uncomfortable, guys. And the fact that it was uncomfortable meant that I probably should do it because I would say I love myself, but did I feel it? And the truth was, is I didn't. I had no clue that loving myself was uncomfortable. The I am statements, I know that they're talked about a lot and they're powerful. They are, don't get me wrong. Like those affirmations are wonderful, but you know, what's even more powerful saying those I am statements to yourself in the mirror while you're looking yourself in the eyes and just become curious about how your body responds. Do you feel uncomfortable? Where do you feel uncomfortable? Why do you feel uncomfortable? Are you actually feeling it then? Or is it something that's kind of, I want to feel it. I really want to believe this, but I don't yet. And ask yourself why, because then you discover these deeper parts of yourself. Now we're literally talking to our genetics and telling our bodies to respond differently. You know, the most important part of the law of attraction, which I totally believe works, is the law of harvest, which is the action part. You know, it's kind of like the, the farmer that plants the seeds. 
if the farmer sits in his house and thinks about and meditates, does some breath work about his field growing, but he never goes and plants the seeds, doesn't matter what he's doing then. It's all waste. You have to do the action. And that's what is so incredibly important is once you go and plant the seeds, once you take care of the steps that you have to do to in order for, in this case, the field to grow in whatever we're talking about, whether it's you want to grow a brand, you want to become healthy, you want to reverse disease, you have to start taking the actionable steps to do it. And once you start taking the actionable steps, and then you start soul gazing, you start meditating, you start applying all of this stuff to accelerate the manifestation, then you become unstoppable. Like truly you become unstoppable. And that is what is so cool about this. The law of attraction works, but it's up to you. You are the placebo. You are the one that is going to essentially plant the seeds and let it grow or just have wishful thinking. Yeah, it really comes down to, you know, like they say, if you have any dreams or goals, you got to write them down. If you don't write them down, they're, they're wishes. And that's the same goes. The reason we write them down is because when they're written down, it puts it, it's an action. It's the first step of action. And so it, it usually spurs us on to actually do things that are going to cause that activation of physically doing it. And I, 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 I truly believe that I have a hard time writing down my goals or my dreams. I, I have a real, real problem with taking action. And it's because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I want to do it perfectly right. And you gotta be, you gotta be content to fail. If you're not willing to just do it badly, it's not going to work because you're not going to feel motivated to go and do a pushup. If, if it's supposed to be a perfect pushup. And we're going to start yeah, changing you, your uh, lingo uh, around that. We're going to start calling you a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Richard. I'm a recovering per perfectionist. Uh, <laughs> perfectionist Anonymous, RPA. We're going to start a whole new <laughs> a whole new group. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I will, uh, I, I could identify that. I, I definitely want to identify with that. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I just, I feel like everything we do is based on what we want in life. And if you are surrounding yourself with this mindset, you are going to get better. But like Cody said, if you're not planting the seeds, if you're not doing the work as well, then you're not changing either. I can get on this podcast, talk about the things I want to do. I can enjoy all the coaching. I can do it all. But I'm in Alaska. Like I am so far away from these people. Uh, at the end of the day, when the camera shuts off, I got to do it by myself. And if I don't do it, then everything I'm learning and everything that I'm trying to create is pointless. Eventually, I'm going to get left behind because I'm not keeping up with everyone else. And that is a fear I have as well, but I'm hoping to turn that fear into inspiration so I can push forward and continue to rise with the people that I want to be around. I absolutely love that. And, uh, and let's, uh, yeah, let's kind of end on that note. And, and really, if you guys take away anything from this, from the way the genes in your body, the epigenetics that control how your genes show up 
turn that fear into inspiration, turn that fear into motivation, because action is what gets you from where you are to where you want to be. And that's truly what this is all about. Find a mentor, find a group, find somebody that's going to inspire you to take action. You know, as my mentor says, is it self-help or is it shelf help? Are you just reading to get the knowledge or are you actually putting together the steps in order to overcome whatever it is? You know, it doesn't matter what coaching program you're in. I think a lot of us want that magic pill. Just tell me what to do. What should my offer be? How should I create my program? They don't know. They don't know you. They don't know your knowledge. They can give you steps to help, but at the end of the day, it is up to you. And you know, you can fear whatever you want, but unless you turn that into motivation in order to take the steps to get to where you want to be, then you'll always be where you're at. You know, to go where we've never been, we have to do what we've never done. And that's truly, truly what this is. So absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this was a wonderful, incredible episode, Richard. I think that um, a lot of people are going to get some stuff from this because it's it's so important. It's so important to understand how we show up and figure out how to show up better and start taking advantage of all the tools that we have around us. And most of them don't cost anything. The ones that do, we can prioritize if you want to get coached, if you want to do anything like that. We can, we can help you with that too. You know, reach out, uh, mindshift212 at gmail.com. You can get a hold of either of us and we can, we can point you in the right direction. We can help you out. We can create a strategy for you to show up better. And, and that's really what this is all about. You know, um, Richard here is working on some of his greatest fears, greatest demons. And it's really cool seeing him you know, come out victorious and, and have new confidence as he goes through this. How have you been feeling throughout all of this? Uh, imposter. <laughs> like I, I, there's a part of me that definitely feels like I am. It's helpful. Uh, I definitely see the growth. I definitely see the difference. One of the biggest, hardest things that I've done this month is doing the Wim Hof breathing with you, which is insane because when I do it, I feel better. When I do it, I have more energy. When I do it, I have less pain. Um, but I still don't want to sit down and do it. And the dichotomy of that and, and the clashing, I guess you could say hypocrisy of that makes no sense to my brain. And I'm really trying to come to terms with the fact that these things are helping me, but I don't feel like it every day I wake up and like, what's the point? And I really want that to shut up. <laughs> like, I really want that to stop. And I know it won't. But there is a point where that part of your brain is easier to ignore. And I'm, that's what I hope for. That's, that's what I'm working towards is all those doubts and all those voices that tell me, you know, you suck are going to get to the point where it's the minority and not the majority of my inner internal self. And that's why I do the Wim Hof breathing. It's why I'm doing this stuff is because you know what? I am doing this podcast. I am doing everything around it to the best of my ability. And it's badly. 
I, I am not good at this at all in the sense of like compared to you. But that's the thing is you're not supposed to compare yourself to other people. And so every time I get on this podcast, every time I show up every day for you, for MindShift, for the people we're interviewing, it's helping me build that, that foundation within myself so that the actions can get easier. Because right now, this is an action. I could have easily said, hey, I'm too busy. I can't do it today and let it go. And then I'm reinforcing what I've always done, which is work for other people, put my time into other people that doesn't do anything for me. And that's why I'm here is even though and I, your patience is that of a saint. Like I do not understand in any way, shape or form why you put up with me. I love you for it and I appreciate you for it. But the part of me that tells me, oh man, I'm wasting Cody's time. But at the same time, I bring so much to this podcast and I know I do. I know that I'm having that I'm here for you and that you appreciate me. And it's really hard to say or to think about why when I see how everything you're doing and I feel like I'm not even doing anywhere near as much as that guy is. He's crazy, but it gives me a goal and having you hold my hand, I don't want to pull you down and I don't want to be left behind. So it helps me to try. It gives me that inspiration outside of myself. So one day that inspiration will be inside myself and you won't even be, I might have to one day pull you up and keep you coming because something happens in your life. And I want to be that for you because that's what you are for me right now. Well, thank you so much, Richard. I truly appreciate that. And, and it's true guys, when, when we start mentoring people, when we start coaching people, there is a point where they become a teacher. And honestly, we learn just as much from the people we help as they do from us. And that's what's so cool about it. You know, when we're learning, we thrive. When we're teaching, we're actually learning as well. And that's just how it works. It's a symbiotic relationship. And at some point, there's a switch in that, you know, with my mentor, there's times that I've coached her as well. And that's what's so cool about all of it. Guys, if you're interested in doing a coaching session, a free consultation, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you guys. Uh, longevity, cognitive wellness, that's what I'm all about. I can absolutely help you. And I want to give a, a shout out real quick to uh, one of my one of my friends that actually went through some coaching with me and, um, and left a comment. So um, Hillary Flowers, shout out to one of the most amazing souls I know, Cody Ramela. This man has the warmest, kindest heart. He's wise beyond his years, humble, deeply caring, growth oriented, and determined to help others. I always feel uplifted, excited about life, and a sense of peace after talking to Cody or listening to his podcast. His extensive knowledge, powerful tools, and helpful tips have helped shift my life and my mindset into a positive direction. If you're looking to level up, shift your mindset, and start creating the life you want, Listen to Cody Ramela on MindShift or schedule a personal coaching call. He's the best of the best. And I feel lucky and grateful to call him my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hillary. I truly, truly appreciate that. And um, and it's it absolutely touches my soul. Like I, I truly, truly appreciate that. And anybody, if you're looking for tools, some tips on how to level up, reach out to me and I would love to uh, schedule a, a free consultation and and see what we can do to help. It's uh, what I'm passionate about. I love helping others. And really, if we uh, do this together, then we go much further. So thank you, Hillary. Thank you, everybody who's listening to this. If you have a question, comment, anything, please reach out. And 
we love reviews. Please give us a review. Please uh, reach out. Let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. That, that helps us out tremendously too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. You too, Cody.